Do you ever just take some time and look in the mirror and look deep into your own eyes and just be like, what am I? What is up with the voice in your head? If it's a voice at all. Is there something or someone like speaking in your mind? Is it audible? What is that? Is it your consciousness? Is it your soul? Is it your Atman? Was it there before you were born? And will it continue after you die? I don't know, man, but these are things we're going to think about when we look at Hinduism. Let's do it. Hinduism. What's up with it? What is it? It's complicated. The more I looked at it, the more I realized it's like an, like that line from uh, Shrek. It's like an onion. It's got many layers. A lot of stuff to break down, especially like as a Westerner, you try to make sense of it. And it is a religion in a sense, uh, but it's complicated. There's a lot going on there. They do have holy books. They have, I guess, a God. It's uh, what is referred to as absolute reality. And it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, and there is like a almost like a code to live by. So what is it? Hinduism, scholars believe, started uh, somewhere between 2300 BC and 1500 BC in the Indus Valley. That's right near India. And it is believed to be a combination of a bunch of indigenous religions um, from different cultures, like coming together, right? It's like a melting pot of all these different ideas from that time. They can like Scholars can pick out things from Hinduism, like, oh, that originated from this group and this group, right? Um, there is this, not necessarily a book, but it's a, an assortment of wisdom called the Vida. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Again, I'm not a Hindu and I'm not an expert in Hinduism. I am not trying to convert you to Hinduism, especially because I'm not a Hindu. Uh, what we're doing here is, if you didn't know, Yeah, I guess I need to backtrack. I'm a high school social studies teacher. I teach a class called Global Veritas. It's like world studies, but more social studies than just history. And we have four units. And the first one is culture. And we talked about what is culture? How does culture impact you? 
uh, and your understanding of the world and like the way you are. And now we're into religion. So last two weeks we looked at Buddhism. This week we're looking at Hinduism. And we're going to look at like, what is it? And then what can we learn from it? Just general thoughts to get from it. So it started in the Indus Valley and it is based on uh, multiple aspects of or multiple books, holy books, one being the Veda, V-E-D-A. Now, you have, if you are familiar with like the deities, deities, deities of Hinduism, like there's a lot, a lot of faces and arms um, and symbols, or like gestures with their hands. This is my understanding of it. You have Brahman, which is the, it's like God, the God with a capital G. And Brahman is, I have some things in quotations that describe Brahman, is the highest universal principle, absolute reality, and eternal, conscious, irreducible, infinite, omnipresent, and the spiritual core of the universe of finiteness and change. So, again, you can imagine me as a teacher. I share this to high schoolers, and I'm just like, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, like, that takes a lot to think about. Let's think about just absolute reality. Is Brahman, like, when you say, like, well, what's God like? You just say, like, it's absolute reality. What does that mean? I think I think of it like this. Reality is a visual representation of the mind of God. I think maybe Westerners think of God as like a being, or like a singular being that is omnipresent, right? And that like gets complicated because then it's like, well, what? Like can be anywhere at any time, everywhere all at once, right? Brahman is like everything you look at is God. It's like, what? Because I'm currently looking at a lamp, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) I feel like that's downplaying, but like Brahman is everything, is in everything. Reality is the mind of God. It was like everything's created through this mind, the laws of the universe. Complicated. That one's complicated, right? Like absolute reality, eternal, conscious, irreducible, infinite, omnipresent, and the spiritual core of the universe of finiteness and change. What? (laughs) The spiritual core of the universe of finiteness and change. It is the mind and the heart of the universe. Everything that exists, God or Brahma is Brahma. It's just reality. And it's not like Brahman, it's a reality that Brahman exists. Like 
anything that is real and is a part of reality is Brahman. You have within Brahman, and again, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, a bunch of different gods and goddesses, deities. Um, there is Brahma, which is the creator. Has four heads, four arms, and a reddish complexion. Um, you have Vishnu, which is the preserver. You have Shiva, which is the destroyer. You have Parvati, which is the divine mother. Lakshmi, Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth and prosperity. Right? You have all these different deities, and like they're in charge of different aspects of life or reality, which is Brahma. So it's like almost different personalities of Brahman. Kind of similar to what we're saying for like indigenous religions and like the origins of religion that like you see thing and then like an aspect of reality. Like there's a story behind it, right? And like a spirit behind that. Similar in Hinduism. With a bunch of different deities and like they're in charge of different aspects and like Hindus pray to different gods and goddesses. They have different holidays, like different days even. I've read like depending on what day it is is what god you pray to. Which is interesting. I feel like it's a a spiritual way to It is. It's a spiritual way to understand reality, you know? Like, there is the Western mindset, if you think about it, is very much, it's based on scientific revolution. And, like, you see the wind, and you're like, well, why does the wind blow? And then you find, like, the most literal reason as to why the wind blows. You're like, bam, that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And what I was saying in the earlier religion podcast is like part of humans and what we do is like we like to create meaning behind things. And it's just another way to like understand reality is to like give it that little spice. And like maybe, I don't know, like maybe we're missing out in the Western society of like this spiritual aspect You know, like being connected to, like when you feel the wind. I'm not, and I'm not saying, well, I wonder, I guess. When you feel the wind, you can be like, well, that's the wind and the wind does, and just like you understand the wind and like you can still feel gratitude for being alive. But like what, I wonder what it's like when you feel the wind and then like you can attribute that to, like there's a name for it, right? That like spirit. And I find that like Westerners, when they hear that, like, oh, that's some hippie nonsense. But like, if you are human and that is what is almost natural to humans, does that help you connect to being human and like lead to a more fulfilling life? Like, are we, are we missing something in our society when, when I'm just going to use the wind. Like you feel the wind or you see the wind and you're like, wind. Versus like you see the wind and you like, you can attribute it to a spirit. 
something to think about. I don't think I'm going to start praying to spirits like when I see the the wind or other things. I'm not going to like give them names. But I do wonder sometimes like this are are we missing out? Right? There is there are so many ways to approach society. And our western society is based on like efficiency, innovation, money, like drives it all. And it's like, get these things on, bam, 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 bam. And, you know, like working up the ladder or whatever, which is good. But I wonder sometimes, like, is that if we are animals and like we're humans, obviously with instincts, are we losing our humanity and like our other cultures and societies who are not like as developed and don't have as much as we do like are they more fulfilled and experience more joy even though we're like but bro you could have a hot tub <laughs> or like you could you could have your shower and like do a massage or thing too like don't you want that or it's like you can have an iphone <laughs> or whatever like whatever thing we can have that theoretically like meets this need in our life is it taking away from our humanity that was kind of a tangent but i think i think it makes sense no the aspect of looking at the world from like a spiritual lens which is very much not a western thing i'm sure there's pros and cons right like non-developed nations or societies when they're impacted by industrialization, it's not a good sight. And we'll get into that when we get into industrialization. Anywho, Vedic wisdom. So, Veda, or these Vedic uh, sacred texts, is like the, the source of knowledge and truth. And according to Hindus, like it's timeless. It's been here forever. It just had to be put down on paper by humans, but it's always been true. It's always been there. I like I, I was thinking about this recently. Like the idea that love is good. Like, is that true? With a capital T, like undeniably true. Because again, the Western part of me is like, can you prove that scientifically? Like, how would you? Well, like, if you love, that increases your likelihood to pass on your genes, you know, like the Darwinian approach to it. Like, cause can we measure morality like loving someone is good it feels true i believe it's true but like is true the right word and like what do we measure that on because again i feel like a westerner would be like would be (laughs) would be asking that well how do you measure truth you know it's like I feel like that thought in itself is like a Western thing. Anywho, uh, I like this quote. It says, Vedic wisdom says that there are many paths to one truth. It does not say this is the only way and if you do not follow this, you will go to hell. It says that there is only one divinity, but with many names, many forms, and many ways of worship. 
so that broad outlook towards life can come with come from Vedic education. There are all these different names for God, right? Like Allah, God. You, what if like we think we're talking about all these different gods, but like in reality, it's it's just it's all the same. And that's kind of like what this quote saying is like. So in Christianity, for instance, they say like Jesus, you have to have salvation in Jesus. And like, that's the only way to get to heaven. And then to them, like Jesus is something that's like very specific. And it's like, you have to say the name Jesus or like Jesus, you know, like whatever the language says for Jesus, like, no, that's it. But what this is saying is perhaps what this group is doing, they are in a sense like worshiping Jesus you know, like there isn't like one specific way. And like, we all have these different names for the same thing that we're all doing. I don't know, man. I like that thought though. That like, that gives me some happiness to think about that. Like, what if we're all just saying the same thing, but in different languages? And if there is a God, like he's not, he wouldn't be laughing at this, but if there is a God and we're all like arguing, like, no, I'm right. Blah, 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 blah. That like, eventually people start killing each other over it. And that's where God's like, yo, chill. But when we're all like, no, this is God. And we're like, we all think we're right. And like, God's just sitting up there laughing or up there, right? Like he's a being up in the clouds, right? Like what is God? But God, the creator is just like, you're all wrong and you're all right. You're stupid. You're humans. That is, of course, if there is a God and if what this quote is saying is true, there could be a God who's like very particular and specific. It's like, well, you kind of had it right, but you weren't fully right. I like this quote as well. We're going to get into soul talk. The fundamental teaching of Hinduism or Vedanta Vedanta, Vedanta, is that a human's basic nature is not confined to the body or the mind. Beyond both of these is the spirit or the spark of God within the soul. This spirit is within us and also within everything we see. All beings and all things are really, in their deepest essence, this pure or divine spirit full of peace, full of joy and wisdom, ever united with God. That got me thinking. In the sen- in a sense that, like, in Hindu belief, you have what is essentially your soul, and that's your, like your Atman, and whatever is like the essence of you is beyond like the physical border of your body. The universe is in you, like it's that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson quote. He's like, so when I look at the night sky. I'm looking at the universe, but the universe is in us. Like we, in a very microscopic scale, you are the universe. It's like that Grateful Dead song. Wake up to realize that you are the eyes of the world. Like you are a way for the universe to be like, to see itself and to describe itself. You are a part of the whole, the one being, right? if that's Brahman, in a sense that like God 
itself, himself, herself, whatever, is in you, not calling you a God. And like, I think Christians would say like, we are made in the image of God. That could be interpreted a bunch of different ways. But like Hindus believe Atman or the soul, this, uh, how was it referred to? The spark of God is in every living thing. Everything has God in it because God is absolute reality. So this sense of like what you are is beyond your physical body. You with me here? You are equally a part of... So think of it like this then. Everything that's outside of your physical body is also a part of you because you are, as a whole, big picture, just a part of the universe. Like you're connected to everything in more than just like the physical touch or seeing something. Like it's all one thing. Almost in the sense of a cell in your body is a part of the whole body. It's pretty deep to think about. Because I've thought before like, and I've said this in previous podcasts, in a previous at least, of the, like when you and I are looking at something or like communicating, my consciousness has extended and like we are, it's almost like the Venn diagram. We have connected our consciousness, right? And we're almost not like becoming one because we have different thoughts. But when you're communicating, like you are entering into my consciousness and I'm entering into yours and like we're sharing something, right? So consciousness and the essence of you is in beyond, it's like beyond just your physical self. What the Hindus believe and are saying is it's everywhere. Like there's no border really to the end of you Even this concept of like you and something else, like I think that, like I could be wrong, like this is how I'm interpreting it, that there is no true border to like where you end. I heard, I'll just be straight up, it was Joe Rogan. Uh, He was talking to this guy, Rashad Evans, and they were talking about doing psychedelics never done it but i was interested in like in what they're saying because a lot of the things that they're saying are like are connected to very like spiritual things and like especially i was thinking of hinduism when they were talking about it and they were saying having this experience made you realize how thin the veil of consciousness is where it's like you are a bottle of water a filled up bottle of water in the ocean And what this experience did was like, it just removed the bottle and they just like became the ocean. And when I thought of it, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
You know, and like, and then like, what do you do with that information? Like, you walk, I walk outside, I see a tree. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I start thinking, like, is that me? Like, how do I start to communicate with this tree? That like, then I'm the idiot, like staring at a tree, like you know, like trying to communicate with the tree. <laughs> just thinking about it, like looking at a tree, and just like having this serious thought of like, can I talk to you? <laughs> I don't I don't think like that's literally what they're saying. I think that it's the it's like the Grateful Dead line, like wake up to realize that you are the eyes of the world. Like you are an extension of everything around you. You are a another way for the universe to look at itself, to think about itself, and then to say something about itself. Now, like I think Christians would say you're like created by God and like in God's image and like you are an individual soul and but it like and they would say you are looking at God's creation and like or glorifying God's creation like giving props to God's creation and I think there's a separation and but I still think like the eyes of the world thing is true like you are you are like the eyes of the universe and the universe and like in a sense is God Right? You're a way to see. It would it would be like this. Like if God created the entire universe and then it was just a bunch of like planets with deer-like creatures or like creatures with that level of intelligence, everything, nature is happening, right? And the universe is existing. But until there is a being that can see it and then think about it and like, what is this? It's not quite the same. If the universe didn't have us, and like I'm, I'm sure there are probably beings all around the universe, and maybe like far more intelligent than we are. Like I bet, I don't. Why not? But if there wasn't, it would just be the universe, and then like nothing to think about the universe. And then it's almost like the, if the tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? It's kind of like the same thing for the universe in the sense that like if the universe existed but like no one's there to see it and to think about it like was it even there at all that's some stuff to think about it's funny that that grateful dead song eyes of the world i jammed out to it like i I like the Grateful Dead and like it was probably within like the past it might have been yeah I think I was like researching Hinduism and then I really like thought about those lines like wait what wake up to realize that you're the eyes of the world like whoa and then I thought of like the world with eyeballs but like it's the same thing like if the world existed but no one's there to acknowledge it did did it even happen shout out to Corey Fisher Anywho, you have a soul. According to Hinduism, you have a soul, and that's called your Atman. So it's the real self, uh, the truth inside of you. And it's an extension of Brahman. Brahman. Um, Brahman is in you. You were born, and in you is this like spark of truth. That's your soul. 
Now, you are, you have a purpose. Your goal in life, and that thought of like your goal in life is a complicated one, is to reach moksha. And moksha is the eternal truth to liberate from reincarnation and the suffering of human life. And Buddhism has, it, Buddhism sparked out of Hinduism. Hinduism's mad old. It's like one of the, I think, the oldest religion. Um, not counting like indigenous religions. It's the oldest living religion in the world. Your goal is to essentially end this experience of like life as we know it. The Hindus believe that your Atman travels like when you die like in Christianity when you die like there's an afterlife for your soul in Hinduism when you die your soul enters back into a different body at a different time and place and you are your Atman is seeking to be liberated from reincarnation and suffering from human life it's like well how do you do that well you have to follow the Dharma Dharma is, uh, it's like the way of life, like the true way of life, like the best way to live. So moral laws such as truthfulness, uh, no injury, and that kind of goes with the Buddhism thing, right? Like the right intentions, the right view. There is a true way to live. Um, that's why a lot of Hindus are vegetarians, um, they do like the cow in the sense like it's not a god to them. It's just sacred. Like it was, it represented um, one of the, it was like a mother deity in like older, I guess you'd call it scripture, but um, stories. So like it's sacred to them, but it's not a god. Anywho, you have to follow the Dharma. If you follow the Dharma, you get good karma. When you get good karma, your next life like you're getting one step closer to moksha. Well, if you don't follow the Dharma, you got bad karma, and in your next life, you're further away from moksha. I don't know. A student asked me this, and I don't know the answer. And it was like, well, does that then mean like there's really just one soul? And you, like when I'm alive, and I like see all these people, are they just me <laughs> in different reincarnated forms and I thought about it, I was like I don't think so but then it's like is there a number of Atmans you know like there's 5,000 circulating but the belief that like when I die my soul my Atman is going to go into another body and like I'm gonna have I'm gonna do it again and I listened to a this at least one podcast where like this woman was um she was born and then or this girl was born and like from a very young age she was like this isn't my real body and was like talking about a past life and ended up being true like the person she said she was like did live had died and then she like went and met her, I think it was like her husband or something, like family member. She's like, ah, yes. It was like talking to them. And th to this person, it's like a little girl walks up and is like, ah, yes. And just, you know, but to her, 
She's in this new body, but like it's still the same old her. I don't know. Like the more you look into it, there are really bizarre stories of like people having not necessarily deja vu, but like are in tune with their past life. You could like the Westerner part of me is like, well, how do you prove that? Like there's probably a bunch of explanations, like maybe confirmation bias, like whatever. That's like, well, of course they would think that blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. But this sense of Atman, and this is what's going to pretty much drive like the rest of this podcast. So, well, after I talk about some key things, there is something to think about. And this sense of karma, if you follow the Dharma, you get good karma in your next, excuse me, in your next life. It will be better than your last. Something to keep in mind is that in India, a much more so before, but like it's still kind of a, it's still a thing. It was this caste system, and if you in this caste system, like whatever caste you're born into, you're there for the rest of your life, and it's like this belief that like if I follow the Dharma, I'll get good karma, and I'm gonna move up in my next life. Like I'll live a better life the next time. So like street sweepers, untouchables, they were called like, they're the bottom of the cast. And then you got the Sudra, the Vaishya. Brahmins, the top with like priests and academics. The goal is to try to move up. This skeptic in me is like, well, that's mighty convenient. What a way to convince people that, you know, like, cause the Western's like, you can move up. Don't be oppressed. Like you can be born poor, but you can like work your way up. It's the American dream. For them, it's like, listen, I know it sucks right now that you're at the bottom and you're a street sweeper and you have to do it for the rest of your life. But if you don't complain and you do a good job in your next life, it's going to be a lot better. And like someone, a priest who's at the top of the cast is saying that. And you're like, okay. Well, I don't want to be any worse than this in my next life. And it's not, think of like long-term investment. It's not like, like you're thinking like, I have to do this until I die. And then my next life, which I'm not even really going to know about, but my Atman will. And like, so yeah, I will know about it. Like is going to have it better. Like you better really believe that. But like what a way to establish the cast is like you just tell everyone like where you're at. If you do a good job of it and you don't complain and like question the system, that's good dharma or that's the dharma and that's good karma and you'll work your way up. I'm skeptical of the intentions behind that, but who am I? I'm a white male. But like the the one who, the part of me that's like questions the man. It's like, yeah, you would tell me that I, <laughs> I got to follow the Dharma. I bet. Like what it, if it's not true, I lived my whole life thinking like, if I just, if I just do this, I know this sucks. If I just do this though, my next life will be better. 
So, thinking of Brahman, I ask my my students two questions. After reflecting on these words, so I show them different descriptions of God or Brahman. And I say, after reflecting on these words, like, how would you describe the Hindu god, Brahma? And then the next one is, if there is a god or higher power, how would you describe it? You know, that's a difficult thing to put into words. You know, like, we hear the word God all the time. Like, oh, praise God. Like, what is God? What if there is a higher power, like a thing that created us and created this entire universe? Like, what is that? And I'm not talking about like if we're in a simulation and like in just in a teenager's basement or whatever. Cause still then, like what created that teenager that I'm the simulate in the simulation in? If something created all of this. How would you describe it? That's just something to think about. Because like looking at the Brahman explanations, like absolute reality, eternal, conscious, irreducible, infinite, omnipresent, and the spiritual core of the universe of finite and change. I'm like, what? Finiteness and change. I'm like, ah. Well, just to think about like if God was real, what does that mean? How could you describe it? The other thing, Thinking about like reincarnation. And again, I'm not trying to like convince you that reincarnation is real. I'm not even saying that I believe that reincarnation is real. But like a thought that I have from this is it is true that you are born and then like nature nurture, right? Like you're born and then you are influenced by the environment around you. And that's nurture. You're given a name, you speak a language, right? You dress a certain way. All this stuff that we talked about before with culture, like the nature nurture aspect. Thinking about like the soul and that voice that's in the back of your head. Like what, this is how I started. Like if you, have you ever just looked in the mirror and be like, what am I? Or who am I? How much time do you spend trying to get in tune with the nature part of you? Because take you, the essence of you, the purest form, and like go into the next life or another scenario. So scenario B. So scenario A was I was born in New Jersey in 1993 a lot of stuff has like happened prior to that that led up to that moment and like this is the world i'm born into and boom like look at me now speaking english take me from my parents let's say and i'm born pick anywhere at like any time i'm different right and like That's a deep conversation in itself, but like 
think about them. Okay, well, what is the part of you that doesn't change? Like I'm given the name Sean. Like when I look in the mirror and I like look at myself, I'm like, Sean. Is that me? Like I respond to it and everything. But there's there's a voice in my head that is me, me. And it's almost like it doesn't even speak a language. Like it's not like it's speaking English. I'm just thinking. Right? It's almost like it's inaudible. And I think I've mentioned this before. I was actually talking to someone. They said like some people hear a voice, some don't. I thought everyone did. But then like the more I thought about it, I was like, do I even hear a voice? But even if like you hear, when you're thinking, like are you even thinking in English? Are you just thinking? And how much time do you spend like trying to get in tune with that part of you? Like your personality. It's like, it's weird, right? Like, there are things in life that just really speak to you. That you just love, right? that like stand out to you and like immediately, you're like, oh, I like that. Like, think about that more. What is that? What is that? Why? Like, <laughs> something happens or you see something, you're like, oh, and you're just drawn to it. Like, oh, and like, you know, it interests you. Why? I'm sure nurture is a part of it. You know, like I hear a song and because it's similar to things like I grew up with, I'm like, oh, I like that. And I think what it also does is makes me think like you should and I should, I'll say, like explore more music. You know, like don't let the nurture part define me. Like expand that environment and like seek out new things. But I, I can't, like, and I, I've, I've been thinking about this and it's like weird to think about. Like, and, and it's not like I'm going to give myself a new name, you know? That would be, I think, stupid. I'm sure like my 40-year-old self, like, what were you thinking? You know, like 27, like, I'm not Sean anymore. And, and like, that's valid. You know, people who have identity issues with like gender or whatever, and like they change their name, fine. And I even think about like that right there, that and that. Someone who is experiencing difficulty with like gender identity. You are, there is an essence of you that's so true and exactly you, but it doesn't exactly fit in the mold of our current culture. Our culture has, like, you have to be put into boxes. And, like, there's not quite a box that describes exactly what you are. If you get what I'm saying by that. But, like, you are you in the in this truest sense. Like, this thing of, like, are you a guy or a girl? It's like, well, I mean, if, like, we got to pick one, I guess I'll pick one. And like, what are things that you can do? And like, not just anyone dealing with gender identity, but like, I think about this for myself. Like, what are things that I can do 
that get me more in tune, like that separate me from nurture and like environment that influences me. Chilling with my dogs is one. I was thinking about that. Like if I, I don't think dogs, if you were experiencing gender identity crisis, I don't know if there's like a proper way of saying it. So I'm sorry, but I feel like you know what I'm saying. And you feel like you don't fit into the mold. You even say you're like, I'm non-binary because like now there's a new box to be put into. Your dogs don't care. Dogs don't care about that. Right? Dogs do not notice that. They're like, wait a second. I thought you had XX chromosomes. You're not dressed in the way, you know, like that does not cross their mind. So like maybe that's why people like dogs. I don't know. Cause like when you're just chilling with dogs, like walking through the woods, there's no sense of outside influence. That's like your soul has to like fit into. What are the things in your life? Actions. It could be like painting, music, working out, like whatever. What are things you can do that help you get away from outside influence of, and it's almost, it's almost like the sense of ego as well, kind of, but really what you're doing is like, you're trying to figure out your ego. And I don't mean ego as in the sense like he's got a big ego, but like self, like Buddhists are like, get rid of that. And I don't know if Hindus are saying that, but like what I'm saying and just like what it makes me think about is if you can set, if Atman is like something you get passed on from body to body, what is that part of you? Like find out that. Separate as much as you can yourself from the outs, the nurture aspect of life and like get in tune with you. I, there's this Trevor Hall song and I believe he's a Hindu. Whoa. That I've just been like vibing out to lately. And it's called no expectations and some of the lyrics are, and he does like, I don't know if it's spoken word or what, but the opening lines are, no more secrets, come as you are. There's no tradition, nothing by the book. All you need is courage, have the strength to look. There's no more pretending you can't measure in this room. Just walk through the doorway, just follow the tune. Here there is no worry, letting go of shame. I, I like that of like the no more secrets come as you are. Like, what does that mean? Think about that more. Come as you are. No more secrets, right? Like there's another line from a song. It's like from the moment that we are born, we become actors of like acceptance. And, you know, and it's kind of necessary. Like you have to get socialized. You have to, because when, when you're socialized and you're accepted, life becomes easier and you can get things that you want, not to say like to manipulate people, but if no one accepts you, you have to, ideally you fit into a group. Now, like it doesn't have to be the like pop culture mainstream group, but you have to fit into something. And so you mold into that. But like 
this idea of like, no more secrets, come as you are. Just walk, when you walk through this door, let go of any sense of nurture that's connected to you. And again, like, just look in the mirror, like how much my hair, my mannerisms, what I wear, how I speak, all of these things are boxes that I've put myself into. And I'm not saying I'm going to be like a nudist, but if you were to just shave my head and like, I'm not wearing any clothes or like, I'm just wearing, everyone's wearing the same robe and even the robe then like all the color has to represent, you know, like purple represents royalty, you know, like says who, um, I just envision this room where when you walk into it, this sense of almost self and in the sense, the sense of self of like what others think of you is just gone. And it's like the purest essence of you. I don't think, and maybe as I'm thinking and wrapping up, like maybe that whole thing I said before of like Westerners are lacking this thing in life of like being, (laughs) being human and like what, what connects us to our humanity more. And like, there's so many things that we are involved in that disconnect us from our humanity in our like truest self and like essence. So the homework of the week folks is take time starting by looking at yourself in the mirror and just say, who am I? And part two, listen to, and it's not even listen to, it's almost like the absence of thought. Wait for the voice in your head to speak. Part three, Think about the things that you do that disconnects you from all of the pressures of the world where you can, like, no more secrets, come as you are. Where, like, whatever that means, like, come as you are. What gets you in tune with that? I think mine is music. And, like, even the thing about music is... I like a certain type of music and I'm like stuck within the constraints of like guitar, bass, drum, you know, like certain genre. But the moments when I'm playing music, like that's it. Like that's all, it's just whatever is in my brain is just like going into my fingers and you know, it's like, it's pure expression. And like 
in the mornings, I try not to have my phone or I just put my phone on airplane mode. I can just use a watch, like not even use my phone. But like with my dogs, when I have like coffee and then like, that's it. It's just me, my dogs, and I'm looking at the stars because it's five in the morning. What can you do? So recap, part one, look in the mirror, look deep into your eyes. And like, if it requires, like, just do it for five minutes. Maybe even like say your name, like Sean, Sean, (laughs) you know, part two, be quiet and like, just still enough where the pure form of you, that voice speaks and then like you're listening to it. Remove the distractions that comes with our Western lifestyle. The phone, TV, anything. Like sit in stillness and just wait for your voice to start talking to you. And then third, find things that helps you come as you are and become in tune and removes the pressures of the outside world. Hopefully they're hobbies. Know what I'm saying? Like rock climbing, like while you're rock climbing, like that's it. There's no thinking of anything outside. Drawing, working out, whatever. Well, that's the lesson, folks. And really the lesson, like the first half was Hinduism. The second half was just thinking about stuff. Hopefully it gets you thinking. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I'm going to ask a favor. Because I see, like, I do check the stats every once in a while. I know there's people listening. Just tell, you know, like, I don't have advertisements. I don't really, like, I'm just making these. If you think so, two things. If you think someone would be interested in listening, go ahead and tell them. We're on like episode 11 now, which is wild. And we're like kind of done the culture unit. Like we have three more units to go. So this is a long thing. When I, my spring semester, I'm going to have my thesis for grad school. So I'll try to keep doing this. Part two, if you are interested in something, and you want to podcast, if you want, I will, like, we can pick a day and the frequency. So if you want to do, like, every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, once a month, where you release a podcast through this Those Who Wonder thing, as long, like, we'll talk about the parameters, but, like, as long as you fit the process of curiosity, objective curiosity leading to understanding, understanding reflected upon, bam, Whatever you're curious about and you want to like teach and just talk about to others, I'm in. Hit me up. Comment, do something. Well, that is it for me, folks. I hope you have a lovely week. It's election week, so hopefully everyone's chill. 
Yeah, that's it. The bell's ringing, folks. I'll catch you later. Pistons.